When we're in the midst of sitting in suffering, oftentimes the thing that we are longing for most is breakthrough. We want breakthrough in our healing or breakthrough in our situation. We long for that moment when things were one way and then suddenly they were utterly different. And today's guest, Annette, gives us a difficult invitation to embrace the reality that sometimes the breakthrough is realizing there is no breakthrough. And while that might sound crazy, it actually makes total sense within God's understanding of reality, a reality that he's inviting us to today. You're listening to episode 140 of the Where Did You See God podcast. Father God, I just thank you that you are God and you are good. And I just thank you for the ways that you can make connections. Even halfway across the world, we're connecting with each other. And that's something that you have made possible, that you've made the timing possible for us today. And so we just want to acknowledge that you have made this conversation. So we want to give it back to you. We give you our thoughts, our words, our questions. We pray that all of them are not just honoring to you, but that you use them for whatever greater purpose you want to do, whether it's in this time or for someone listening later. So we thank you for how you work, how you will work, and we're just grateful to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. I was praying in his holy, precious name. Amen. Amen. So Annette, I'm looking forward to our conversation. One thing I've been telling the last few guests is I, in my humanity, was trying to end this season focused on sitting and suffering because I had a long 51 episode season last time. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is going to be shorter. I had a finale guest lined up. God laughed. And then suddenly I had an influx of folks reaching out, including you. Mm. I don't know what God's up to, but what it makes me believe is if God wants to continue this conversation, there must be important stuff in it. So I'm excited about our conversation. But for those that are listening, what would you want them to know about who you are as we start this conversation? Wow. Well, I am beloved of God. I am a mom. I am a co-founder of a business with my husband that we've had for 18 years and I am the funnest person to have at a party. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the question is, are you the funnest person to have in a podcast? We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You know, I don't know too much about your story, which is actually my preference for how to step into a podcast. I know that when we first connected, I mentioned that I'm doing this sitting and suffering season. You were like, yeah, I've had some hard seasons. So maybe the best way is just to jump right in. And and so Annette, tell me your story. Oh, gosh, how far back do we go? I, uh, (laughs) I actually was born in the United Arab Emirates. My parents were missionaries in the United Arab Emirates. And so I did my growing up there for my early years of primary school we actually lived on the Arabian Gulf so Mm. believe it or not I was actually a a beach girl (laughs) and I still love the water it's my favorite place to be and then we moved to a rural community in Queensland Australia my father was a pastor of a church so I then grew up as a pastor's kid Mm. for me growing up Christianity was always an inconvenient truth and it was just the thing that mum and dad did and really didn't apply to me didn't interest me So as soon as I moved out of home, I went and lived my life the way that I wanted. And believe it or not, it didn't go very well. (laughs) But it really culminated actually when I was 19 and my best friend took her own life. Mm. And that was really transformational for me because we had been friends since primary school and I knew that her soul still existed. 
even though her body was no longer alive. And that was a huge wake-up call for me, just imagining her soul. Yeah. And I knew and I knew and I knew and I knew that eternity is real. And I knew that she was discovering the secrets of eternity the moment her eyes closed. So I started my journey back to the church in my own way, in my own time, found my own sweet relationship with Jesus. And I actually remember wrestling with it for a number of weeks, this idea of handing over my freedom to God and it Mm. felt like giving up something. And one night I was thinking, because I was struggling to sleep, I really struggled with insomnia. Mm. And my mum actually would post me down. I was living in Sydney at the time. She would post me down cassettes. That's how old I am. (laughs) Of this this lovely pastor called John Pawson uh, or David Pawson. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's a lovely English preacher, Mm. old school from the 70s. And he just had this really relaxing, peaceful voice. And so I'd sort of fall asleep listening to David Pawson and then if you're as old as me, you'll remember when you get to the end of the cassette and you'll go, bang, <laughs> yeah, yeah. wide awake again. So mm-hmm. I need to listen to the B side to get me back off to sleep again. And I was wrestling with God through that time, giving up my freedom, giving up control of my life. And then I kind of realized that me being in control of my life wasn't actually working out that well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I said, all right, God, it's yours. Take it. And in that moment, I just felt this incredible relief and release and I realized I actually hadn't given up anything I had gained so much. And it was actually a real relief to know that somebody far more intelligent than myself was in charge. Mm. (laughs) And so then that journey continued. I actually then moved back to Brisbane and started working at a Christian radio station. That's actually where I met my husband. Mm. He was from a radio background himself and he'd had this vision of starting a full service advertising marketing agency. And I came from a creative background. So I was working as creative director at the station. And after we we were married a couple of years later, he left to start a business full time. Mm So when I fell pregnant with our first child, my goal was that I would work so hard within the business with this little baby on my lap that my husband wouldn't let me go back to work full time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And anyone that's worked at home with tiny children, and we all did it, you know, over the last couple of years, you'd know Mm -hmm. (laughs) exactly what that was like. It was Mm -hmm. absolutely manic and mayhem and chaos, but we made it through and our boys are 10 and 12 now. So it's wonderful being in this season of life. But as you'll know, running your own business, it is like a roller coaster. It is up and down and sideways and backwards and inside out, but it is never still. Never get to rest on your laurels. And, you know, just when you, you feel like you're coming to the crest and something happens and it's, you know, white knuckles and, and hold on. And yeah, we certainly have had many experiences of learning to rest and find our peace in God and to loosen the grip on the seat a little bit and hand things over to him. Yeah. So it's making me think of a few things that I've been processing lately. So the first, you, you grew up in a missions context mm-hmm. and then in a you know preacher's kid context. And so you had Christianity all around you, Yeah. but it wasn't necessarily like you're like, <laughs> I kind of have to do this because it's my parents. Mm-hmm. It made me think of, I've been thinking a lot about the passage of the parable of the sower mm-hmm. and the planting of the seeds and this imagery of seeds that's used so often in scripture of how God can plant something and we may not even really understand what's been planted, mm-hmm. may not even think about it, may not be aware that it's growing. 
And yet what your story demonstrates is that there was something that was planted that then in a tragic, tragic moment, somehow, and for some reason, God used that as the moment for the sprout mm-hmm. to come out. Mm-hmm. And you weren't looking for that. Mm-hmm. You weren't cultivating that plant. <laughs> so it just demonstrates something really powerful about God that I think we're going to continue to talk about as we continue the conversation because it's relevant to suffering, right? Mm-hmm. It's something that we would avoid, something that we think is unredemptive. Sometimes God's planted something that that's exactly when it decides to sprout. But the other thing that you talked about was this idea of how hard it is for us to hand over freedom. But on the other end of it, you suddenly realize the wisdom of God, which is, but God's smarter than me. (laughs) And so he could actually do a lot more with this than I can. Yeah. I was reflecting with some friends this week on the passage. It's actually two passages that Mm -hmm. we keep separate all the time. One of them is where Jesus says to Peter, who do you say that I am? Mm -hmm. And he says, well, you're the son of God. And Jesus says, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. Mm -hmm. And the very next passage is the other passage that we talk about separately, which is when Jesus says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to experience a lot of hardships and suffering, and I'm going to be killed and be raised again. And then Peter pulls him aside, rebukes him and says, this should never happen to you, right? Within 10 verses, you have Peter demonstrating what it looks like to operate with spiritual wisdom and Peter demonstrating what it looks like to operate with human wisdom. Yeah. And so I love that element of your story mm. that you were like, it makes no sense to give away my freedom. Mm. It makes no sense. Then mm. what do I have? Mm. And now you're like, it makes no sense for me to hold tight to my yeah. freedom. What was I thinking? That's right. So you have these things, right? God has planted something and it's sprouted and it's been growing. You have this growing sense of spiritual wisdom. Yeah. But hard moments still hit. Yeah. And so how have you navigated that now in this place of seeing the growth that God's bringing, seeing the wisdom that God's bringing? Mm. Yeah, it's funny because you think, oh, yeah, I've reached spiritual maturity now. (laughs) I've got this and I, you know, God's got everything and it's all fine. And then something will happen and it's like, oh, a few years ago that happened with us, we had a person that had come into our business and working with us. He ended up basically skipping town with thousands and thousands Ooh. of dollars from us and left us in the lurch holding the baby with a client. Mm. And when you own your own business and it's your brand on the line, we were down thousands of dollars, but we also needed to protect this project that we had promised to this client. Mm. And it was an area that we weren't familiar with, which is why we had this business partner come on board. And it kind of fell to me because it was kind of in my side of the business to kind of salvage this and, yeah. and fix it. And so for months and months, I was like, God's going to come through. There's going to be a breakthrough and it's going to be okay. So I was singing in you know, my car, commuting anywhere. I would have the worship music out full mm. blast. And my breakthrough is coming. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. And it didn't come and the burden just got heavier and heavier to the point where it was actually physically manifesting. My shoulders were sore. My arms were sore. I realized I was actually walking around with my hands clenched all the time and that tension and stress was through my whole body all the time and I was a mess and it all kind of came to a head. I remember it was the eve of Good Friday And I felt like I had got this project to the point where it was ready to go. It was as good as it was going to get. And then it just collapsed. It all just fell apart and it was back to square one. And I was furious. I was furious with God (laughs) that he had taken me through this valley of darkness for so long and my breakthrough hadn't come. Mm -hmm. And so that Good Friday morning, I was like, 
a petulant child and I did not want to go to church. <laughs> and I got in the car. It was, it was probably harder to get me in the car than the boys that morning. We pulled up in the car park and I didn't even want to open my door. I was so angry. And I remember standing at church during the worship service and I couldn't even sing. I was so angry at God. And I had angry tears, pictured tears, snot. It, mm. it was just, I was a hot mess. It was all, like it was terrible. And everyone around me is singing this, you know, worshiping God. And I'm just in my head, I'm yelling at him going, how could you? How could you do this to me? How could you do this to us? And then, of course, after the worship, I don't know if they do this at your church, they go, and now we're going to turn around and say hello to the people behind <laughs> uh-huh. us. You know, red face, swollen eyes, mm-hmm. and this beautiful, fresh-faced couple turn around like, oh, hello. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on the fake smile, like they, they probably thought I'd just been having this incredible encounter with God, but I was not. I yeah. was having it out with God. I was so angry. And sat through the sermon. I couldn't even tell you a word of what it was. I was just so angry, just wanted to get home and get out of there. As soon as the sermon ended and it was time to go, I was going to make a beeline straight to the car. I did not want to speak to a soul because it was not going to go well. All of a sudden, one of the older gentlemen in the church ran up to me and he said, I've got a word for you. (laughs) And I was like, really? (laughs) And so he called my husband over as well to be a witness to the word and he said, He didn't know me. He did not know me, didn't know anything about me. And he said, you're an incredibly creative person. As we were worshipping, this is hilarious, while I'm yelling out at God, Mm -hmm. he's seeing this incredible vision over me. While we were worshipping, I could see that you have creativity oozing out of you. And he said, I had a picture of a cake decorator, a baker, and he was holding that, you know, the stuff you put the icing in and then you squeeze it. He said there's a cake in front of him and he's got that thing and he's squeezing it. He said where that squeezing's happening, that's where you are right now. And it feels like it's too much, but actually something beautiful is coming out of that. He said, I, I can see this beautifully decorated cake that's cut out of that squeezing and crushing. Something beautiful is being created. He said, does that mean anything to you? <laughs> <laughs> And I just burst into tears. I said, yes, yes, it really does. It really does. That moment changed everything. And that didn't mean that I suddenly had this breakthrough and the next day everything works. But the thing that changed everything was knowing that God sees me. Mm. That was the pivotal moment that I was like, you know, sitting in this dirt, sitting in this mess, sitting in this ugly, awful, heavy situation. God sees me. God sees me. That changes everything. And I remember sitting, I was doing some gardening that afternoon. I was just sitting in the garden looking up at the sky and just feeling God's presence for the first time in a long time and realising he'd been there all along. (laughs) You know, and I kind of unclenched my fists for the first time and just walked through the rest of that season feeling so much lighter Mm -hmm. because God sees me. Mm-hmm. He is in the dirt with me. Wow. And I learned through that season that sometimes your breakthrough doesn't come. <laughs> sometimes the breakthrough is realizing there is no breakthrough. It's dirt and grit and hardship and difficulty and you get to the end. And, you know, we finally got this thing to the point where it was ready to go. But it was jolly hard work. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the client was amazing and we still have an amazing relationship with that client. I think God really blessed us with a really gracious client as we walked through this season that he needed to walk me through, particularly in learning to rest in him. And it really struck me reading the story of Hagar 
I mean, she experienced hardship that is really unimaginable. Imagine being told that you are going to be the mother of your boss's husband's child Mm. and we don't know how much say she had in that and then your boss starts picking on you because she's jealous of you and it's Mm. this terrible situation. So she's running away. She's trying to escape from this horrible situation and then she's sitting in the desert in the middle of nowhere and this angel appears. Actually, the the first thing he says is you've got to go back to the abuse, but God's going to be with you. God sees you. And also you're going to have a son, his name's Ishmael, but he's going to be a pain. He's going to be really difficult. He's going to have strife. He's going to have struggle. And there you go. And she's like, God sees me. And so she right away gets up and she's like, I have been seen by God and this changes everything. So she turns back and walks back into that abuse, knowing that she had hardship ahead of her, but she knew that God saw her and that changed everything. And that is what I learned in this season, that we go through really difficult times and that is reality, that is life this side of heaven, but God sees us. So good. And it's been a recurring theme in so many conversations, not just on the podcast, but in life Mm. of coming to that realization of the value of recognizing that God sees you. It's funny, it betrays the reality that we undervalue God seeing us Mm. and we overvalue our idea of the best breakthrough. Yeah. Right. And so I... (laughs) I mentioned a verse before we started recording that I've mentioned a million times in life and in the podcast, but Ephesians 3.20, to him who's able to do far abundantly more than we could ask for or imagine because of the power work within us. Our breakthrough are the things that we're asking for, Mm. are the things that we're imagining. And meanwhile, God's like, but I want to do abundantly more than that. Mm -hmm. Like, I get why you think your breakthrough is such a good idea. But that's small compared to the eternal stuff I'm working on. Yeah. And it's small compared to the very fact that I am the God of the universe. Yeah. Am talking to you. Yeah. Am watching you and seeing you. And I've been there too, that moment where you're sitting in the dirt and you've been begging God to take you out of the dirt, begging God to take you out of the dirt. And then suddenly it clicks that God's been in the dirt with you. Yeah. And why would you want to leave the dirt if that's where God is? Like I've been there and it is such a powerful moment, but then you look back and you realize just how much you were holding on to your idea of breakthrough. Yeah. And when we're sitting and suffering, I mean, I think that's, it's hard because at the same time, you know, somebody could say, well, what then? Do you not ask for breakthrough? Mm. Do you not look for the things that you think would be best? Mm. Like, so how do we tread that? Because You were in a hard season that on a human level needed something to change, needed something to give. So how do we tread that balance between asking for something, but also not undervaluing the mere presence of God in hardship? Yeah. Yeah. I think Jesus is the perfect example. Your will be done. Mm -hmm. And I think we can put our wish list before God of, hey, I want it to work out like this. What do you think of that, God? and actually waiting for his response. And maybe this really difficult season is a really important part of your journey. And as a freelance writer, I actually do a lot of work interviewing ex-prisoners who discovered Jesus while they were in prison. And it always strikes me that there's this common theme among them. I remember the very first ex-prisoner I interviewed, I sat down across the table for him. I was like, I know nothing about you. Just I know that your life didn't begin the day you walked into prison, so I'm not going to judge you. But just out of curiosity, what were you in for? And he said, first degree murder. Oh, oh. (laughs) But you know what? When he spoke about Jesus, his eyes lit up. Yes, he had done a terrible thing. 
and he suffered the consequences of that. He went into prison for a number of years. But through that time, he actually discovered the kindness of God through the chaplains who sat with him in that place. Mm. In his prison cell reading his Bible, he actually experienced freedom for the first time in his life. The prisoners that I speak to, they all say to me, you know, we discovered freedom while we were in prison. And there's so many people on the outside who are living in prison cells that they've created for themselves Mm -hmm. who just need to release themselves to find what we had when we were in jail and now, you know, continuing that on. And we actually, through this process of finding God in prison, it actually breaks that cycle of addiction, of reoffending all those things it's almost like a revolving door going through prison the rate of reoffending is so high but mm-hmm. amongst those that find Jesus and find faith they actually go on and live a life of freedom and then a lot of them actually go on to become counselors pastors mm-hmm. a fellow that I'd interviewed 5 years ago I did a, a where are they now and he was in prison for drug trafficking he's been out for about 10 years now and he's now a pastor of a church specifically designed for ex-prisoners to help them reintegrate back into society mm-hmm. to find a place where they're welcome and they're able to be themselves and helping them to find work and homes and, and that kind of thing that's hard to do when you've got a record right mm-hmm. <laughs> actually one of them that I spoke to he actually had an addiction to gambling and he said you know what The day I went to prison, I lost thousands and thousands of dollars, he said, but I actually felt so relieved because that addiction was taken away from me. I couldn't just click on my phone and put a a few dollars on the races or that compulsion I didn't have access to anymore. So I actually had a space to find healing from this addiction through finding Jesus, through encountering the prison chaplains. And so actually living through the consequences of these bad choices provided them the opportunity to find freedom from those things. Yeah. I love that analogy too of the prison piece, because what the guy in the first story you told probably would have imagined breakthrough being was getting out of prison. hundred percent. God, breakthrough is me not being in prison. And yet that's where he experienced freedom for the yeah. first time. Yeah. It made me think of this verse in Psalm 142 that says, set me free from my prison that I may praise your name. And that was a verse I sat with a lot mm. in a couple particularly hard seasons of hardship. Mm. And I felt similar to what you felt going to church that day. It was becoming increasingly hard for me to praise God's name <laughs> because he had not fixed my situation. Yeah. He had not brought the breakthrough. He had not set me free from my prison. God, I'm in prison. I want to praise you, yeah. but you got to let me out of yeah. this prison that mm-hmm. I'm in. Mm-hmm. And what I came to learn after I had that moment that we talked about earlier of mm-hmm. kind of a renewal of my mind, yes. I had my human wisdom, then God's like, you're actually seeing it wrong. Yeah. I realized the prison wasn't my situation or my circumstances. It was actually internal in my mind. It was me mm. boxing God in on this is the only way that this can work out well, yeah. or this is what I need you to do, or this is how you can be good in God to me. Yeah. That was the prison that God set me free mm. from. Mm. It was actually five years ago on September 1st was one key moment where I've discovered that prison within me Mm. (laughs) and God inviting me to step out of that. Mm. It's just powerful when we actually can step back and recognize what is it that's actually imprisoning me? What is actually making this so hard for Mm. me? And how is it that I can trust God in the midst, even though, I mean, you noted it, 
you had this guy run up to you and say something that was incredibly transformational, but it didn't necessarily fix everything. No, no. Like you still had to go into the next day. Yeah. And so it wasn't that God fixed your situations, but he fixed something within your mind and heart yeah. that then changed how you could walk forward. Yeah. How do we walk forward holding on to that and not return back to our prison cell? Yeah, because it is a daily walk, isn't it? And, you know, we can think that we've made it through to the other side and this isn't an issue anymore. And having been through that, I am probably the most chill person you'll ever meet because I'm just so rested in God. Like he has come through that many times that something comes up, like when COVID hit and, you know, businesses were losing clients because they had to Mm -hmm. shut down and that kind of thing. My hubby and I looked at each other and we just went, you know what, this ain't my first rodeo. God, all right, what have you got for us in this season? You're going to come through. It's going to be all good. So I learned to see that as my chrysalis season while we had this kind of quiet time in the business. All right, God, what do you want to teach me in this season? And so I upskilled, you know, I'm able to now offer some more services to our clients that we couldn't before. And obviously I worked a lot on the book I was writing, uh, which is now finished. It actually started out as a series of articles on the science of gratitude. And it very quickly became a deep dive into scripture because true gratitude is really about learning to see God. Mm -hmm. And so that's why the title of my book is The Simple Joy of Seeing God. Because once you enter into his presence, and Psalm 100 verse 4 says, enter into his presence with the password, thank you. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't know that there's a password into the presence of God and they don't know that that password is hidden in plain sight. But if we want to experience closeness with God, then that is the true secret to, I guess, unlocking a deeper layer of connection with him. And it's excruciatingly hard when you're going through a really difficult time because it's the last thing that you feel like doing. And I think that's why it's called a sacrifice of praise Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it means like, I'm not feeling this right now, but I know I have so much to be thankful for. You know, 1 Thessalonians, when it says give thanks in everything, I think that is just such a God gift because he's not demanding that we give thanks for everything because that would just be mean. Mm -hmm. But to learn to find something to be thankful for in every situation actually retrains your brain. And I can tell you from working in advertising, we actually learn about this process. It's called the reticular activation system. It's part of how our brain works because we're bombarded with thousands and thousands of messages and stimuli every day. If we took in everything that was thrown at us every day, we would go mad. Mm. And so our brain actually filters out what it considers irrelevant information. But that means that we stop seeing things that we then take for granted every day. And so part of that renewing our mind daily is actually being consciously aware of things that we have to be thankful for. So things like starting a gratitude journal, things like praying each night and intentionally thanking God for something that happened that day. And every night at bedtime, the last thing we say to the boys is, what are you thankful for today? Mm -hmm. Let your last thought going to sleep be something positive that you have to focus on and shift your focus away from, you know, maybe your footy got confiscated Mm -hmm. outside the music room today, which literally happened yesterday, (laughs) or, you know, something's happening at school or something's happening in the playground. Let's shift focus away from that and focus on what God's promised for you, what God has gifted to you today. And I think it's in Matthew, it says, you're blessed when you get your inside world right, your heart and your mind, then you can see God in the outside world. Mm. Actually, I was interviewing a fellow who was living with drug addiction and he talks about through rehab, he had an encounter with God and he said, 
after that encounter when he had accepted Jesus into his heart, he actually felt the breeze on his skin for the first time in his life. Mm. He said, it had always been there, but I had never noticed it before. But something about this encounter with God had opened a part of his mind, Mm. opened his eyes to be able to experience something that he hadn't been able to experience before because his heart and mind weren't right. I just thought that was the most amazing thing because I know for myself when I'm out having my morning walk, if I can't hear the birds singing, then I know the thoughts in my mind are too loud Mm -hmm. and I actually need to quiet myself. Mm. (laughs) And when the Bible says, be still and know that I am God, it's actually a promise. When we can still our mind and our heart, then there's room for God to say, here I am. You know, that familiar voice that we drown out with everything going on around us. When we quiet ourselves, I've literally heard God say to me, now I have your attention. Mm. What I love about gratitude is it really is such a simple way to position ourselves for a truth that would be hard for us to get intellectually. Yeah. In the hardest moments, it's hard for us to actually believe that God is God and God is good. Yeah. And that's why we will hold to our breakthrough and we will hold to this and we will get angry with God because yeah. it's hard for us to see it. And that's the interesting thing about that passage I shared earlier, where on one hand, Peter was able to recognize through the spirit that Jesus was the son of God. Mm. And then within a few verses, rebuke the son of God. <laughs> like who rebukes <laughs> the son of God? Yeah. Like how... <laughs> foolish or bold or prideful? Mm. How do you get to such a place? Well, he got to such a place not because he wanted to disrespect Jesus, not because he didn't trust Jesus, but he was still holding on to some truths. The truth that threats are bad. Yeah. Pain is bad. Yeah. Death is bad. Death is the end. You know, he was going to experience this pain at the hands of the elders. So now there's a reputation issue. If the spiritual leaders Mm. are attacking Jesus and his disciples, then what does that say about us? So on a human level, it made sense for him to push back on this. Mm. And he had let go of the truth that if this guy is the son of God, then he probably knows more than I do. Like you said earlier, (laughs) it's hard for me to relinquish control, but this guy is smarter than me. So (laughs) maybe he can control this stuff better than I can. And, And so we will hold to our breakthrough because in our minds, letting go of that is foolish. While you're talking, it made me think of something like bungee jumping, Mm -hmm. where we can stand on the precipice and look down and be deathly afraid and cannot move an inch because understandably, we're holding to things that are true. Yeah. That's a far way down. Yeah. I can't fly. Yeah. I can't walk on air. Mm. I die if I fall from this height. (laughs) Like that's, that's true. Absolutely true. Yes. And the truth that we're choosing not to hold on to is the reality of the strength of the carabiner, Mm. the strength of the rope. The wisdom and the skill set of the people who are running this thing who will stand to lose a lot if they don't run it well, right? So they're going to make sure you're safe. Mm. We have to, in those moments as we're standing on the edge, decide what we're going to believe between two sets of true things. Yeah. The big difference is with God, the eternal stuff is always going to be way more true than the human stuff. And the human stuff is always going to be limited. It's true that gravity does exist. But gravity didn't exist when Jesus was standing on water, right? Like it still existed, but it didn't control him. So choosing to hold on to those truths, it's hard for us to navigate that. But like you said, it's a journey. Absolutely. Yeah, in the short term, it doesn't make sense. But when you understand it through God's lens, I mean, what Peter went through in the end and he knew that was coming, but he knew he was seen by God. And so 
he went from this, no, this can't happen to Jesus to this is going to happen to me, but it's okay because my perspective is actually eternal. My perspective isn't on having my breakthrough here on earth. Our ultimate goal is to break through to heaven. Mm -hmm. And we look forward to that great day. And that makes everything that happens here that more palatable. And I think when Christians particularly think, oh, if something terrible is happening, then you must have angered God or you must have done something wrong. And I think if you believe that, you'd have to believe that God was mad at his disciples because all except John ended up dying terrible deaths and struggling and suffering and being persecuted. And these are the people who were closest to Jesus. It seems like the closer to Jesus you get, the more uncomfortable your life may become. (laughs) But they were prepared to suffer that and endure that because their perspective was on their ultimate breakthrough into heaven. And if our perspective is that and not on this specific situation that we're going through right now, it changes everything. Yeah. The last guest that I talked to, one of the things that she says she holds to when she's in hard seasons is holding to the character of God. Mm. And you're right. There are so many moments where we see God as this cruel guy who will punish us and do all this kind of stuff. But your story paints a picture of a God who was with you even when you were like, man, Christianity is an inconvenient truth. (laughs) And as soon as I can get away from this, like, He didn't leave you. He stayed with you all the way up to one of these hardest moments. Mm. (laughs) And he was right there. And then he continued to be with you. Even when it got to a point where you were so angry, you're like, I'm not singing to you. And I didn't even (laughs) want to come to church today, God. (laughs) He didn't abandon you in that. He didn't think less of you in that. In fact, Mm. the opposite of it. Mm. He's like, oh man, I love her so much. I'm going to get this guy that she doesn't know to have a vision for her and chase her down. (laughs) Like this is the God that we're talking about. The God who is sitting in the dirt with us. Yeah. Who is is loving us, who is actively working in our lives, not only when we can't see it, but when we're trying to avoid him. Mm. And the most beautiful part is that all these moments in our lives that we are longing for different breakthroughs, God, I need breakthrough in this season. I need breakthrough in this way. I need breakthrough in this. He is saying the same thing. He's like, Mm. yes, I want breakthrough for you, Mm. but this is my breakthrough. (laughs) The breakthrough I have for you is going to blow your mind, but you don't even know you need this. You don't even know that you need to be locked up so you can be freed from your addiction. You don't even know that you need to stay locked up so that you can have space with me, or Mm. you don't even know that you need this, but I am looking for this breakthrough for you and I'm not going to give up. Yeah, It's just beautiful. And the other thing that came to my mind that I wanted to ask is, you know, parenting is hard. Yeah, Parenting is hard. (laughs) And conveying spiritual truths is even harder because we have this fear. Like, what if our kids don't see and understand what I see and understand? What Mm -hmm. if they don't want God? What does that say about me? What does it say about my parent? Have I failed? Because surely if I'm a good Christian and a good parent, then I will raise my child up in the way that they should go and they will never stray. Like, I will have no choice. (laughs) Right. You know, one thing that always encourages me when my mind goes to that place is the story of the prodigal son, because that was a good father and both of his kids ran into some issues, right? Like that didn't mean that he was a bad father because he's supposed to represent God in this analogy. So there is a hope for that. I think we could see these happen in different ways within families, Mm. but how is it that God is inviting you to walk as an ambassador of Christ with your children? Mm. And how are you seeing that play out in good and hard ways as now they're nearing teenage years where they're going to really start to ask questions (laughs) and live for themselves? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, some of the best parenting advice I received was parenting is only hard if you're doing it right. Mm. And man, I must be doing it right. (laughs) (laughs) 
Woo! My boys are amazing. But yeah, you know, they are their own little people. And we send them to a Christian school and we're part of a, a church where I'm, I've been involved in kids' ministry for over 20 years. So they've grown with me through that season of going through kids' church and, and all that kind of thing and discovering faith for themselves. And yes, we read devotional with them every night and we play worship music every morning as we're getting ready for school. And I certainly don't want to be guilty of just shoving God down their throats because mm-hmm. that's kind of how I felt growing up. It was like, come on, have some more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want any more. I'm not hungry. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's about being really authentic in your faith and in your walk as well. Yeah. And when you're struggling with stuff, don't hide that from your kids. And they know, they see me cry. They see me struggle. They've seen that we work from home. So all the business struggles, they've been with us on, mm. <laughs> on this journey too. And uh, we have really candid conversations with them about life and why we believe what we believe and what the Bible says. And in a lot of cases, it's different to what the world is saying. And, you know, as for me and my household, we're going to do it God's way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and understanding that, you know, everything that God asks for us, everything that's in the Bible is actually not about a God being bossy and mean and putting you under the thumb. No, it's actually a recipe for a good blessed life that will bless you and everyone around you Mm. and if you can understand that and take that to heart and read the bible as a love letter and not a list of rules and and regulations but actually for good solid instructions that you know a lot of stuff in the bible now science is slowly catching up You know, things that the Bible talks about in the sky and now, you know, they're just discovering this stuff that the Bible talked about thousands and thousands of years ago. And I am one who walks in awe and wonder and I love sharing that with the boys. Louis Giglio has these amazing kids' devotionals that actually connect science with biblical truths and so it kind of feeds that curiosity but also builds the authenticity of the Bible. We want to make the Bible this exciting adventure and, and there's stories in the Bible of incredibly authentic people like us who had incredible faults like us like look at David Mm -hmm. goodness me he would be totally cancelled right now his Twitter account would be (laughs) annihilated but he was a man after God's heart Mm -hmm. the bar's set pretty low on God's part right Mm -hmm. (laughs) he just wants our heart and if we pursue him he knows we're going to make mistakes he already knows the mistakes that you're going to make but that's okay. Just come home. Just come home. That's all he's saying. Yeah. And if you do life his way, your life will be so much better mm-hmm. than trying to do it your way. And, yeah, trust his millennia-old wisdom. It will serve you well. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful when you look throughout Scripture, you can actually find so many examples of God and Jesus not forcing, mm-hmm. like not force-feeding like you described mm-hmm. before. Even Jesus and his disciples he said to Peter, hey, yeah, you're, you're going to deny me. That's a, that's a pretty high on the list of things you shouldn't do as a believer is deny Jesus. Yeah. And Jesus didn't stop him. Mm-hmm. He didn't pull him aside. He said, no, you cannot. Because he understood who Peter was and the journey that he was on and where he was going to get. Mm-hmm. Right? He knew that this denial was not the end of mm-hmm. Peter's story. Mm-hmm. He, in fact, knew that this denial was an important part for Peter to learn the limitations of his human understanding. Yeah. He was like, I will die for you, Jesus. <laughs> But Jesus knew, actually, no, there are elements that could be in play that would keep you from doing that. I can't tell you that. You won't hear that from me, Mm. but you're going to experience it and then you will know. So yeah, as we're parenting our kids, we are treading this space of knowing (laughs) who they are and the trajectory they're going Mm. and the risks they could encounter 
longing for them to not encounter that. I'm sure it broke Jesus' heart to know that Peter was going to go through this agonizing pain Mm -hmm. after that third rooster crow to realize, what have I done? He would have wanted to protect Peter for that, I'm sure, like in his humanity, but he knew there's something greater. And we're desiring for our kids to not be forced into something. Yes. But to come to learn how to seek themselves, Mm. what it looks like to seek, what it looks like, as you said, to give your heart, not to have it rent from you. Yes, yes. You know what? I would say, too, something that just really struck me in the last year or so about the nature of Jesus Mm -hmm. and his first miracle actually wasn't raising someone from the dead or sending off an army or anything like that. It was actually saving a couple from embarrassment. (laughs) That was his heart, right? That's his humanity. This, this couple at their wedding and it was going to be the talk of the town that they had run out of wine and mm-hmm. that was just the ultimate wedding faux pas. Yeah. And at the behest of his mother, he said, all right, all right, I choose to remove their shame. I choose to remove their embarrassment. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how interested he is in our lives, that everything that Jesus did was about removing shame mm-hmm. and embarrassment. And he would meet, you know, the the woman at the well and he met the woman caught in adultery and he didn't shout from the rooftops, hey, here's someone who's have done a lot of bad stuff. He's like, I know what you did. You know what you did. Mm -hmm. I love you anyway. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a really important thing to catch is we get so focused on the physical part of healings that we miss. No, actually... There's something deeper that Jesus was trying to do. Like the physical healing was secondary. Sometimes it literally was like when the person was lowered through the roof, mm-hmm. he didn't heal him first. Like he forgave his sins. <laughs> like that was the first miracle. And he's like, oh, all right. Pharisees are pushing back on it. Well, all right. Let, let me show you what's actually going on here. Yes. So there's something deeper. Again, it comes back to this idea of breakthrough that yeah. breakthrough, God, I need breakthrough in my arm. Yeah. Like I need breakthrough in my leg. And then Jesus is like. Yeah, sure. But there's actually something deeper, a restoration in your understanding of who you are, a restoration in how you can engage community. And he knows better than we do. Yeah. Let's imagine somebody is listening that is in a similar space of sitting and suffering that you were. Maybe they've had this project thrust upon them Mm -hmm. or they're in this hard situation that no matter how hard they work, how close they get to breakthrough, it feels like it just keeps getting snatched away from them and they are feeling hopeless and they are angry with God. What would you say to them if you could say something to them in this moment? Yeah, wow. I feel you <laughs> and I see you <laughs> and God sees you too. And he has promised to sit with you in your mess. If it was your fault that this has happened, he's sitting with you in the consequences. If it was because somebody else did the wrong thing by you, which was the case with us, He's sitting with you still and he knows, he knows. And your reputation is in his hands and your future's in his hands. And you know what, I look back on this event that happened, this year-long event that happened a few years ago and it's a distant memory now. Mm. Rather than being a scar, it's actually made me stronger. I'm able to bless people now with the strength that I've built because I have literally been held up in the arms of God. And I know the consequences of trying to hold on to things myself, the physical, spiritual, emotional. And it was actually a few months after that when, you know, the project had wrapped up and I actually found a lump in my breast. Mm. And it was two days before Christmas. Mm. So I don't know why. God, yeah. <laughs> God, it's something about special occasions of getting my <laughs> attention. But I remember standing in my kitchen on Christmas Day and I just wanted to scream. I thought, I thought I'd be one of those people if, you know, the dreaded C word came into a house. I'd be, oh, 
no, it's fine. God's got this. Oh, no, I was a mess again. Mm. And, of course, I couldn't go and get a scan or, you know, all those things you need to do because everything's closed down for a few weeks over Christmas. And so I had to sit in it and wait not knowing, imagining, is this my last Christmas with my family? Is it, you know, all the worst case scenarios go through your mind. And I had to reteach myself to rest in God and not let this thought consume me. And after I had the scan, the GP actually called me on the Saturday morning. She said, I've got the results. She said, I had to call you straight away because I just remembered the look on your face when you went to have the test and I just couldn't leave you hanging. She said, it's fine. You've just got cysts. We can operate or we can just wait and see what happens and we can do more tests. I said, you know what? I have spent a year of my life living in death. I just want to live now. Mm. (laughs) It's truly amazing when you live through a potential diagnosis like that and you just truly encounter how precious life is. Yeah. (laughs) That was a huge wake-up call. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that because it's amazing. We think we know and understand life Mm -hmm. and then something like that can happen. Mm -hmm. And then we realize how little we understood life. Yeah. And then something else can happen. And suddenly we realize, oh, wait, I thought I understood it after not understanding it, but there's still so much that I don't understand. Yeah. And that's one, the vastness of God, Mm. like in our ability to understand who he is in this reality that he's created, like Mm. it's going to take a lifetime to even put a dent in it. But that's the beauty of God is that he is so patient with us, so loving with us that he will put things out there sometimes knowing we won't yet get it. Mm-hmm. John 13, 7, Jesus washing the disciples' feet and they're like looking at him baffled. And he says, you know, right now you do not understand what I'm doing, but later you will understand. You will. Yeah. <laughs> like this is the God who knows us so well that he yeah. will speak to us, that he'll walk with us, he'll sit with us, mm-hmm. even when we're railing against him, when we're demanding him do things, when we're at the point of hopelessness and we're like, I don't even know, there's no way that this is ever going to work yeah. out. And he remains faithful and he stays with us. Yeah. And- And I love that, you know, you talked about your book and gratitude because for a lot of people, they could feel like they have nothing left, no capacity, no way to do it, but you've created a simple way. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, if somebody want to connect with your book, which Mm -hmm. the title of it is what connected us, (laughs) (laughs) the seeing God piece is like, like, you are my people. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So if somebody wanted to connect with your book Mm -hmm. or connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? I do have a website, which is seeinggod.com.au. And it's got the links there. There's an ebook, the paperback or audio book available. And it is me reading the book of my audio book. And there are some parts of the book I literally could not read without crying. So you will hear me crying and you will hear me laughing if you get the audio book. And I've got some interviews and stuff up there as well. And if you want to connect and, you know, share if you're going through something, you want prayer. God is amazing. You know, we don't even have to be in the same room. I actually shared this story at Kids Church on Sunday. We're talking about the centurion's faith because he said to Jesus, I'm not even worthy to have you in my home, but you just say the word and I know that my servant will be healed. And Jesus said, your servant's been healed. And lo and behold, the servant was healed. And a few years ago, actually, I was woken in the middle of the night with this urgency to pray for a friend who lives overseas. And I hadn't seen her for years and years, but God just put it on my heart to pray for her. And I messaged her the next morning and said, Hey, just letting you know, God put you on my heart. Uh, I hope if if it just means you have a great day, then I hope that you have a great day. She wasn't a Christian, but she messaged me straight back. She said, you will not believe this. She said, I was pregnant and my last scan, there was no heartbeat on the baby. Mm. And I was going back to have the curette to be cleaned out. And 
I said to them, I want you to do one more ultrasound. And they did. And lo and behold, there was a heartbeat. Mm. And I said, you know, isn't it incredible that I don't even need to be in the same room as you to have this urgency that you need of prayer and support and my prayers can reach across the ocean and wrap around you yeah. in Jesus' name. And it was just such a beautiful moment. And this little boy in, in kids' church said to me, do you know, I think she probably wasn't pregnant at first. I think she just had too much to eat. And... <laughs> I love the innocence of kids, uh-huh. but I, you know, I think stuff gets in there via osmosis. It doesn't make sense to him today, but in years, years and years' time, he'll look back and remember that story and go, "Oh, mm-hmm. oh, yes, I get yeah, it. yeah." <laughs> well, as we close out, is there anything else that God's putting on your heart that you feel like He's inviting you to share? Yeah, I think really the true secret to enjoying our true salvation and our true closeness with God is that gratitude. And when we look at the story of the 10 lepers, 10 lepers were healed. Mm-hmm. One leper received spiritual wholeness. Mm-hmm. And when you read that story and you look at the original words that were used there for the, the sozo and they all received their physical healing, one came back and said, thank you. And Jesus gave him a supernatural spiritual healing as well. And so even in your most difficult times, God says there is always something to be thankful for in it, not for it. Look for the things to be thankful for in it and you'll be blessed. You will walk, you will run, dance through the streets, shouting praise to the There's a passage that's come up frequently on this podcast, and normally I wouldn't share it here at the end, except it fits incredibly well. It's a passage where the Apostle Paul was sitting in the midst of suffering and longing for his breakthrough. And he kept asking God for this breakthrough and asking and asking and asking, and God said no. The Apostle Paul's breakthrough came when he realized that there was no breakthrough, at least not as he understood it. He puts it like this in 2 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 7. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, this season of sitting and suffering that Paul experienced was not a small one. It wasn't just like a thorn in his flesh, a sharp pain but a messenger of Satan to torment him. Torment is not a word we throw around lightly. And so it would make sense for him to plead, not just ask, but plead with God to take away the torment. And God said no. Because while the breakthrough that Paul wanted was to be released from the pain and the torture, God was after a breakthrough that was abundantly more than Paul could ask or imagine. And God's quick no, his seeming inaction, brought the Apostle Paul to an incredible breakthrough, where he went from feeling tormented to saying, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. In fact, he takes it a step further. 
He says, I delight in weaknesses. I delight in insults. I delight in hardships. I delight in persecutions. I delight in difficulties. And why is that? Because his understanding of reality was utterly flipped. Initially, his weakness seemed like the problem, but the weakness was never the problem. It was the threat of his conceited nature rising to the surface and taking control. Because in the end, the weakness never went away. Instead, it was embraced. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul realized that God's power was made perfect in his weakness. And so eliminating the weakness was not the best case scenario. In fact, it was the only scenario to see the fullness of God's power in and through his life. Whatever the weakness is in your life right now, there is likely a part of you that longs for the breakthrough of that thing being eliminated. But what if that thing isn't the problem? And what if that thing remaining actually creates a way to see the fullness of God's power work in and through you? What if the breakthrough that you're longing for is not only lesser than what God has for you, but is counterproductive? And if that's true, how can we get to a place like the Apostle Paul, where we're willing to embrace the weakness because our greater desire is that Christ's power might rest on us? But we see what Paul did. He sought God authentically multiple times. He asked for the breakthrough he longed for, but he was also listening. He was willing to hear if God's answer was no. He was willing to accept an invitation even if it was hard. And God's words to the Apostle Paul are the same words he has for you today. He says to you, no matter what your situation is, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. If you feel weak today, know that God is strong in your weakness, but he wants you to be strong as well. The Apostle Paul's words can be yours as well today. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Maybe the breakthrough for you today is to realize that there is no breakthrough, at least not as you understand it. But God does have a breakthrough for you if you're willing to trust his ways. So today, consider the reality that in your weakness, God is strong. Step into those spaces that you've longed to escape and ask yourself, where did you see God? Have you ever wanted to read Revelation but haven't known where to start? Or have you been afraid to read Revelation because of all the ways you've seen it misused? Or maybe you haven't even wanted to touch Revelation, but feel like maybe you should since it's part of the Bible. Well, if you're in any of these positions or any other ones, I've got a resource for you. It's called A Journey Through Revelation for the Person Who Doesn't Want to Read Revelation. And here's the thing. The hope for this resource is that it makes the exploration of who God is and what Revelation can mean for you accessible, whatever you believe. And this will not be your normal Revelation study. It's not going to dive into the historic representations of the imagery or expertly decipher the prophecies. The goal of this is not to tell you what revelation means. It's to explore what it can mean for you. Now, this thing is available for you right now in a few forms. One, you could go to www.wheredidyouseegod.com revelation, and you can find a PDF for free, which you can read on your phone, on your device, or print out. But if you like something that's a little nicer looking, it is also available through Amazon on Kindle and in paperback form. And I prefer paperback, whether you print it or you get the one on Amazon, because this gives you a place to write some things out because you're going to want a place to write things out. Because I really do believe that God wants to speak to you through Revelation, whatever you feel about Revelation, whatever your experience and whatever you think about God. So if you're interested, 
get it for free, get it for a very, very, very low price. This is not about making money, but about us together exploring how we can see God in the midst of such a difficult and controversial book. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash Where Did You See God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of the music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?